Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Every week we read all the chapters on Viz's website, the Shonen Jump chapters, I should say. I don't know what to call them. They're not a magazine anymore. Why did they make this so hard on me? And then we read something else. And this week we read a Shonen Jump manga, volume one of Shield 21, the football manga, the American football manga, the gridiron manga. Played not by Japanese students. Yes. Although a lot of the art looks very American football. Yes. In some interesting ways. But we will get to that later because of some fun technical issues. We're on a weird time limit. So we're just going to jump right in, which we always do. So I don't need to demonstrate it. But Kevin, what did you think of The Promised Neverland, Chapter 131, The Entrance, which was the cover story for this week? So it had an interesting cover page. I thought the two-page color spread was kind of a neat piece of art. But the chapter itself... It wasn't like it was a letdown, but it was just kind of like, uh, this is how you get to the entrance to the seven walls. Now prepare for some proper nouns. These characters will probably be important later, but some of them are definitely going to die Game of Thrones style. So don't learn any of their names yet, even though there are like boss screen introductions to them. Yeah, we also did have the, so all the proper nouns were the, I'm assuming it's all the like demon lords. Yeah, they all have lords of certain houses i wrote down doza because he was the first one and queen god i don't know how to pronounce this here we go legra volima sure that wasn't too bad regla volima the queen of the demons but yeah it was a super transitiony chapter and promise neverland has been on fire lately and it finally dropped the ball which it had to but this is just a real whimper of an intermediary chapter I think it's just a disappointment because of how well it's been doing. Like, it's not like anything in the chapter was particularly bad. There was some kind of interesting stuff going on. Like, we finally get confirmation that Emma and Ray actually did come here before. They've done this ritual before. And there's text on the door that leads to seven walls that said, once you go past this point, this is the point of no return. So if you want to leave, go around the door and go through the other side. Because it's just a door in the middle of, like, a forest. Yeah, and like I say a lot about My Hero Academia, this will read fine when it's collected in a volume or when it's one-third of an episode of anime. Yeah. But as just the chapter we get this week, especially like the first chapter, it is kind of disappointing. It is definitely a weird chapter to make the title chapter, because they're still kind of doing that. They they pick one to be the kind of title chapter of the series. Well, because Japan Shonen Jump still does that and still has covers because it's still a magazine okay so they're still just using some of that material and like we said it's not a thing it's a thing that editorial decides probably after the chapters are in and certainly you don't have time to adapt your story to being the front cover chapter probably most of the time they pick the really solid series like one piece and my hero and promise neverland and so there's not a lot of duds like this yeah speaking of that leads us into one piece chapter 939 the old leopard never forgets the way I wonder if that's a Japanese saying or uh, something saying, because it's a weird title for this chapter. It's probably a translation error saying. I like, don't think it's like an error. I think it's like a weird. But if I more meant it's an idiom that doesn't translate well. Or I wonder if it's like a pun on a Japanese idiom. Yeah. And so they tried to make it work in English and it just it completely failed. I mean, it's not a bad title. I no. understand what it's getting at. It's just kind of weird. When I read it, I was like, OK, and then rereading it, knowing what happens in the chapter. Yeah. I get what it's referring to, but it's a weird chapter. But I did like this chapter. Yeah. A lot of Zoro and what's her name talking? The Orion. The Orion. I wrote down her 
friend Otoko's name and not her name. Yeah. We find out a bit about her backstory and how after her brother and the two samurai travel to the future, like she had to stay in the past in case it didn't work, basically. Yeah, one of their bloodline had to survive. So the idea was we'll send one to the future and leave one here in case the future one something happens. I mean, something could happen to both of them, but this gave them the best odds of success. Yeah. So she was raised by Kawamatsu the Kappa, who was a literal Kappa. Yes. If you don't know, that's like a Japanese water spirit. I was going to say kind of like a crocodile man, but that's not a thing. No, they're more turtle-like. I want to say like the Mothman, but I wanted an aquatic Mothman. I can't think of one. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, yeah, he was pretty cool, actually. I haven't seen him in a while, but I'm sure he's alive. And it's mostly just Zoro kind of playing off her and her being like, yeah, you're clearly like a samurai. I watched the four kids intro and it's very clear you are like a samurai. So I figured you were probably with my brother. Yep. And he's like, cool, I'm gonna take a nap then. Yeah, because he's like, all right, well, I'm not the brains of this operation, so I'm not going to butt in and just wait. Yeah. Which is a total Zoro thing to do. And I like that he does that, where he's like, no, nah, I, I I have no idea what's going on, so is, I'm just going to wait for orders. Is there a guy in front of me to sword fight? No. <laughs> well, is there booze for me to drink? No. Nap well, time. I will proceed to nap. That is what is next on the flow chart. <laughs> yes. The Zoro flow chart. Sword fight, booze, nap. Yes. Many of them somehow lead to get lost, but... Yeah. Anyway, the latter half, though, is Luffy continuing to train in the prison. Yes. And him being more and more... Not ridiculous about it. Basically, he's trying to learn how to key blast, we find out. That's yes. the thing he saw Rayleigh do. Which I don't know that it was really drawn that well before, but I do like the idea. Yes. And then he is also using his future sight power that he got in the last arc to just help the old man survive. Yep. Where he's just like, okay, dodge left now, and then duck. Duck, and then jump. And so he, like, dodges one guy's attack, ducks underneath it, and then jumps into his head because the guy wasn't expecting it. And then, I like, at one point, so Luffy, does, he goes for a punch, and it doesn't work, so he, like, stops right before. He's like, dang it, it didn't work. And the old man's like, what do I do now? He's like, just come over here. And he puts him on his back. He's like, all right, this is going to be way easier. Yeah, and the old man's like, no, I can't weigh you down like that. He's like, no, I'm already training. You should just totally Yoda me. It'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, I'll just do strength training on top of it. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. The old man's like, hey, so what's this hockey thing? Is that like some weird foreign word for magical Dragon Ball Z key powers? Because we totally have those called the Invisible Blade. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I, yeah, I can teach you. I can be a, even more of a Yoda for you. See, watch. I know how to do that. Well, yeah, he's like, I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but this is the Invisible Blade, and he does the key blast <laughs> thing, and Luffy's like, that. I want to learn how to do that. Well, perfect. I can teach you then. Because he's like, I don't know if I can teach you how to do it or if that's even the thing that you want, so let me demonstrate it. Yeah, it's a very nice chapter. Yeah, and I'm glad that we get somebody else, because I've been expecting it for a while, somebody to help train Luffy, Luffy in this yeah. arc. And it's like, oh, cool, it's Hygora the Flower, this old dude. That's actually pretty sweet. Well, it's a pretty common shonen trope. Luffy is mostly self-taught. Obviously, there's been lots of flashbacks to Rayleigh since he trained during the time skip. Yeah. But other than that, Luffy's never really had a master. He, yeah, he hasn't really had a master. A lot of his stuff has been learning off of his opponents. Like, even his observation hockey was, a lot of it was off of NL and the other Skypeans who could use it. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the stuff that he learns how to do is by fighting his opponents, which is cool. But it's nice to have just the traditional here. All right, here's Yoda. He's short and he can use superpowers. 
<laughs> I do like that he's like, why you? This is life or death. Why do you keep training it like training? And he's just like you said, p- trying to key blast the guy by punching and stopping right before the punch hits. Yes, just like didn't work that time. He's like, no, that's not right either. Because at least he's not doing it just going like, nope, didn't work that time. Nope, it's like, all right, maybe if I try it like this. No, how about if I try it like this? No, it's great. Yeah, really like this chapter. Which leads us to My Hero Academia number two hundred and twenty-four revival party. Also, kind I guess I guess I do get what the yeah. thing is being referenced here. So twice, obviously, we wants to go save Giran, their black market guy, because they're bros. Yes. And Tomura's like, well, I don't really care about him, but Gigantimachi is sleeping, and he will hunt me to the ends of the earth. So if he's really got like five hundred thousand guys or whatever. Like, if they have to fight Gigantimachia, that will wear him down a little bit. Yeah, maybe we can beat Gigantimachia, because he's, again, Tomura, and I like this, that he treats everything like a video game. He's like, he has, he's has just way, way too, too much, much HP. Yeah. So he's like, ah, if we can get him to fight these guys, either he'll beat all of them up, or they'll weaken him to the point where we can beat him. And the doctor's listening in and is like, that's a solid plan. And then they're like, oh, well, can't we use some of the Nomos? No. For reasons, basically. Yeah. It's like, well, can you teleport us over there? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Yep. So they teleport him to the drop point, and a the hero that was with Bakugo and Todoroki shows up and is like, I've been instructed to lead the way. And they're basically in a city called Deka City, and they find out that 90% of the population are members of the Liberation Army. Yeah, essentially they had already lib- they're like this is a liberated city. Yeah. And they run into a guy named Hanibata, who I guess is a politician. They say he's the leader of the Hearts and Mind party. Yeah, it he's sounds very like influential it. and like he would have a lot of followers. Yeah, he's either a politician or like um some kind of bigwig in politics, maybe not necessarily like a- an actual elected official, but maybe like a sponsor or something like that. Like he he's got big political pull. And then suddenly this turns into a One Piece arc and all of the League of Villains characters are getting paired off with people to fight. Yes. And Tomura's just like, I want to be king of the supervillains, I guess. And dis- are supervillains. Right? Yes. And disintegrates two people. Which is pretty rad, but. Yeah, it was just like, huh, that took a turn that I was like. Well, these are the bad guys. I, I realize they're the bad guys, but even the bad guys usually just like still tend to beat people up in this. And it's just like, that that guy got disintegrated in half. Like, usually the heroes just get hurt, not necessarily killed, or they kind of, like, get killed off screen. It was just a little, like, I found it fine that it's, we're following the villains now, so that is something Tomura would do. But, but you found the tone a little odd, for my hero anyway? Just from, yeah. And it, it wasn't like a bad kind of odd, it was just like, oh, they're going that way, okay. And the chapter ends with Toga, like, trying to go to help, and she gets interrupted by this lady I have decided to name Bomb Reporter because she has some sort of explosion quirk. It's like, oh, hey, you're Toga, right? Like that weird serial killer who steals blood? I should do an interview with you. How does that sound? And she just was like, boring. Yes. And she's holding her fingers in the shape of like a camera screen. Yeah. So it probably has something to do with her quirk. Clearly, she has the tri-beam. Yes. (laughs) Or the quad beam, I guess. Yes. Which is clearly a, you hold your hands out like a square, but it shoots a triangle blast. No, it shoots a hexagonal blast somehow. Uh, that, that makes a certain amount of sense. 
So also a pretty good My Hero, which yeah. brings us to Chainsaw Man Chapter 18, Chainsaw vs. Eternity. This was another kind of transition chapter, but at least like a plan is formed. And there's some cool backstory stuff being hinted at. Yeah, and a pretty good character beat in the middle, too. Yeah. Where basically Himiko's like, no, Aki, you can't use your sword because the contract you got for that shortens your lifespan greatly every time you do it. Yeah, and it's like, it's not dire enough to do it. And the low-level devil hunters are basically just like, no, we're going to kill Genji. And they try to dogpile him. But Aki, like, pushes him out of the way and gets stabbed for it. Yep. And he's like, hey, this guy has the guts to actually fight the gun devil. Most people don't. So, like, I have to protect him because I need allies, basically. Yeah, I can't beat the gun devil alone. I need everyone I can get, and none of you are going to do it. Yeah, clearly you all suck. Well, at least the two no-names. Yeah. I mean, they have names, but... They're no names. Yeah. Oh, well, they might go on through this arc, but I kind of doubt it. So, then she's like, hey, Power, can you help him out? You control blood, right? And she's like, yeah, my own blood. Other people's blood is super hard to control. But I guess if he dies, he will not cook for me anymore. So I will try. Yes. And it looks like she's succeeding. Yeah. Like, at least it's stopping the bleeding. But Himeno, who is the eye patch lady, as you like to call her, I have her name now. Captain Eye Patch, please. I actually, that that is what my note says. Himeno-Captain Eyepatch. You know, like Nick Fury, only a girl. Yes. She kind of starts freaking out once Aki gets hurt, which I like, and is like, hey, I don't know what to do. Yep. But Denji has a plan, which is basically like, hey, maybe we can't kill it, but clearly from the way it's reacting, it can feel pain when we, like, attack it. So I'm just going to turn on my chainsaws and wait until it begs for death. Yes. He's also like, it's also afraid of my chainsaws. Otherwise, why would it be doing this thing to have you guys kill me as opposed to just killing me itself? So I'll activate my chainsaws and everyone else is like chainsaws and Powers is like, that's a great idea. <laughs> or so, no, now you're thinking like it when he says, uh, I'll just uh, hurt he him until he says, begs for I'll death. torture him until he begs to die. And Powers <laughs> like, now you're thinking like a devil. It's great. So he goes into chainsaw mode and just kind of jumps in the stomach. Yep. But he is clearly being injured at the same time in the kind of chapter cliffhanger. His power's like, hey, he's losing blood. If he loses too much blood, his chainsaws retract. Yeah. So this is kind of a weird battle of attrition now. Yes. But we do have the Eternity Demon is like, oh, your chainsaws are less powerful than last time. Yeah. Which is something so. cool because it's like, Denji's never fought the Eternity Demon before. Yeah. So it is like... Did Was Poochie a weird chainsaw devil that was running around before? Or is it like a remnant of it in the same way that the gun devil has left? Remnants, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's super intriguing to me that that was the reveal. So pretty good chapter of Chainsaw Man. Which brings us to Hellwarden Higama chapter 16, Finding Resolve Part 3. What did you think of this chapter? Kind of anti, not anticlimactic, but it was just kind of like, all right, so we're going to resolve the flashback. And then Higama's like, and that's why I have the resolve to fight you. Yeah, okay. I was wanting to make sure that it wasn't just me. I was really disappointed by this chapter. Yeah, it, I understand the beats it's going for. Like, resolve the flashback, and that leads to the dramatic moment in the fight is, like, shown in 101. But the emotions in the flashback, because they're not really... It's not really Higuma's flashback in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it, really his aunt's flashback, and so that throws it a little bit. Yeah, it, like... It doesn't really make sense. Higuma doesn't get resolved in there. In fact, it is kind of not belittling his points, but he talks about how that's where he lost his ideals because he hates the Bolton so much for what it did to his family. Yeah. And he can't forgive it. But it just something about it doesn't sink right. 
Yeah. It's not like it was a horrible chapter, but it was just kind of like, oh, okay. And like I complain about a lot with this series, I felt like the last panel, basically, and there's a panel after it, but the climax, really the end, is Higuma cutting off the Molten's arm like he has to. Yep. The art on that looked really muddy. Like I could tell Higuma cut off his arm, but that was kind of all I could tell. It looked like there was a guillotine, and I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be metaphorical or yeah, not. And it just really, already the moment wasn't quite what it needed to be, and that hurt it even more. Yeah. So I don't know. This is really kind of a disappointing chapter to me. Yeah. On the other hand, though, next we have We Never Learned, Chapter 107, Spirits on the Sandra Tomorrow's X, Part 1. And I watched the first episode of the anime. haven't watched the second yet, which is out, but... Yes, I just watched the second before we did this. Gotcha. The anime is pretty decent so far. It's pretty much one for one the manga, at least in the first episode. Yep. I don't know how long they can sustain that. Just because first chapters tend to be have a lot more material. Yeah. I'm assuming they'll start kind of making it, all right, so we'll have two chapters in every episode, kind of split down the middle because it's almost yeah, that set seems up like to be that right, way. Yeah, like an Animaniacs or a yeah. Moody Tunes. It does seem like with an act break structure, that's the way to go. Yep. But we will see what they end up doing. Also, it weirdly, I don't want to say it doesn't work as well in animation, especially after only one episode, but it made me really realize how much this manga depends on shots of cute girls and how much weirdly better those work when they're static than animated. Yeah. Although some of that might also be what you can get away with in Shonen Jump versus what you can get away with on TV. I think that's definitely the case. I think the shots are a little bit raunchier in the manga than on the anime. In just very subtle ways. Yes. But it... I don't want to say the anime is boring to look at. And also, like, I'm the person who's always criticizing we never learn for how pervy it is sometimes, especially in subtle ways. But I think that is a lot of the success of it. So I don't know how well it'll work as an anime going on. But yeah. if you're interested in what we've talked about of the series so far, give it a watch. A lot of the comedy does still land. Yeah, it's still funny. I, I've i only seen two episodes, but it's not like I'm going, ah, oh, well, I kind of just wish I was still reading it. You know, so I'm, I'm liking it. So, Yu-Gi-Oh! is back in cram school. We find out that his mom was like, hey, use the money for whatever will make you happy. The money that you earned. Obviously, yes. their dad's money is for school for you. But you earned a bunch of money. You can use it however you want. Yeah, and he's like, no, it should be for the family. And she kind of gives him this glare of like, really? We just had this conversation about your dad's money. Now you're going to complain about the money that you earned? Yeah. So, he's back in cram school. I don't know if the implication is supposed to be he's paying for it with his money or if this is just a... I think it was just kind of like, of that. yeah, I think it was kind of like a, a time skip, like a very short one of like, all right, well, now that the summer's over, I'm back in cram school to start pre- or prepping for the exam. Maybe because he's like, oh, since I actually have the money to get into the education program, I'm not going to have to like take a year off to keep working so I can go back to cram school. That Maybe makes sense. Yeah, that's that feels like what it was. That makes more sense. So he's at cram school where he meets this little girl who seems to know him. And he's like, man, are you someone's little sister? And he's like, you know, doing the thing you do to little girls in anime where he's patting her head. Yes. And he, she's just talking about how much she's heard about him and how cute he is. And then, assuming his maid senpai comes up. And he's like, oh, are you Asumi's little sister? And she's like, what are you doing, mom? Yes. <laughs> Which is, you know, a pretty decent joke. And then it's pretty much shenanigans from there, where yeah. she is forcing them to act like a couple, because assume he's like, yeah, she and my dad separated a long time ago, but they're weirdly good friends and talk all the time on like Skype and stuff. Yep. So 
Like, we have to keep it up and pretend. And she's just, like, really going in on them and basically threatening to reveal their sham to her father if they don't yep. pretend more. So they have to hold hands in class in front of her. And then they play this, like, awkward kissing game where they both have a stick of Pocky between them and eat to the center. You know, Lady in the Tramp style. Yes. And then the chapter basically ends with her being like, okay, I was just messing with you guys. Yeah. She's like, but it did seem like it was actually kind of working, so let me know if you ever actually do actually get in a relationship. Yeah, which of course makes them both blush. And then the real end, like, there's a bit in the middle we kind of skipped over where her parents are just going through all the old school, or, like, baby photos of her. Yeah. And all the embarrassing stuff, including this picture she drew about her future where she's working at the clinic. Yeah. And the cliffhanger at the end is her dad, like, telling her mom with her overhearing, hey, I think it's about time I shut down the clinic. I just can't keep up anymore. Yep. And her being, you know, not devastated, but... Dejected. Yeah. So that's clearly what the next arc of We Never Learn is going to be. Yeah. Um, I do like the arcs more than the solo stories most of the time. So I am looking forward to it. And like I said, We Never Learn, even though I usually sum it up with shenanigans, always pretty funny. Yeah, it was really funny. And this is an interesting way to go for the next arc. So I'm looking forward to it. Which brings us to Demon Slayer Chapter 154, Assaulted by Memories. Also watched the first episode of that, and it was pretty good. Yeah. So is that guy in the first episode the guy who's fighting here? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Gin, yeah. I do not have his name committed to memory. Okay, I thought so, but I wanted to make sure. I always remember him as the water Hashira, or the water pillar, but I think it's Gin. So this is, like we assumed last week, mostly a flashback from the villain's point of view. Yeah. And basically showing he has a backstory a lot like Tanjiro's. And that was kind of like, he admits to himself, that's why I didn't like Tanjiro. He reminded me of a younger me, and that pissed me off. Because I didn't want to be reminded of younger me. And basically, the reason he always wants to get stronger is because as a very young child, his dad was super sick. So he had to basically be a pickpocket to afford medicine for his dad. Yeah, so he was like, I had to get stronger in order to steal money. Then I had to get stronger in order to fight off the dudes who caught me. And I then I had to get stronger to survive the beatings that the magistrate gave me. So like, I just kept having to get stronger to save my dad. But then like he's arrested for like the sixth time. Yep. And if he's arrested again, he'll like have his hand cut off. And so his dad commits suicide out of shame, basically. Yep. Or, or, I mean, in his letter, he's like, hey, stop stealing for me. You, I know you can be a great person, so without me. Yeah. But that just sends him down a darker path because he was like, it was all worth it for my dad. But now I have nothing to live for. Yep. When he meets this random ass martial arts teacher with no students. You know, as you do. Yeah. Who beats him up, knocks him out, and is like, you're my student now. So he basically gets kidnapped by this martial arts instructor. Yep. And then he's like, hey, also my daughter is very sickly and my wife died, so there's no one to take care of her, so you do it. And that's the girl who's pulling on his arm, and clearly he has a sister relationship with her, similar to Tanjiro's. And also, clearly, it's a very similar situation to with his dad. Yep. So I don't know. I wonder if this guy's going to have a face turn. Is it normal for this series to go this in-depth in the villain's backstories? no not this in depth you know like we had the one where we went into the backstory of the the other demon the other demon just a little bit we've gone into the backstory of some of them just to like flesh out their motivation a little bit more i assume none have been like this sympathetic no and this guy we've met before and kind of like had stuff from his point of view like when we're dealing with the other upper moon demons 
meeting. It's all from his point of view. So I had assumed he was important. And so maybe he will have a face turn or maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're just kind of like really fleshing out his character. Who knows? All right. Well, you wanted to talk about Act Age, and I didn't write down notes about it, so I'll forget if we don't. So shall we talk about it right now? Sure. So this chapter of Act Age, we have the kind of backlash from the kids filming. Well, first, that we have the end of the confrontation you were talking about last week, where he's like, hey, what oh, would yeah. you do if you couldn't act? And she's basically like, hey, actually, I know. I just acted it. I like that she actually she points at the screen. She's like, that. That is what I would be doing if I couldn't act. Yeah, and we find out the movie is like this kind of weird jumble of different shots. Like there's some of the stuff they shot professionally, but there's also just like cell phone camera footage of her and Hina hanging out. Yeah. And like Hina turns to the director's like, hey, you promised not to use that. It's like, I'm sorry, your smile was just really good and it was a really good shot. Yep. And so she's like, if I didn't have acting, you know, me and Hina would go hang out after school and I'd go home to my family and I'd I'd be normal. And so there are different kinds of normal, which I think was the name of the chapter. Yes. And I just really like that. She was like, basically, I get what the producer was trying to get me to learn here, which is that I get to find normal for myself. So while I do need to have something other than acting, I have picked it. I'm going to be your guys' friend. And also, he you know, like starts crying when the credits roll because she's like, oh, I don't know why. Yeah. Which is uh, like a little sappy, but this is the end of the arc. So I get it. Yeah. And then, like you said, we get the fallout and the entire cinema club gets suspended for showing Three the days. film without. And one of the things I really liked is K. Is it K? Yeah. Is like oh come on getting suspended is totally normal she's like no it's not normal well he's like well ryoma's been suspended three times and the person she's talking to is like well i mean i got suspended what see totally normal and i like that her siblings are like oh sister's kind of cool now she's like a bad girl getting suspended yep so yeah it's a pretty good end to the arc i feel and it ends with like you said k going up to the producer and be like hey i want to act that yeah, is she... what i want to do i know now yeah i know acting is my thing but i still have a normal to go back to. Yeah. So I am curious to see where the next arc will go because I really like this one. Yeah. It pretty much catapulted Act Aged from a perennial bottom to a top shooter. Yep. So I hope that keeps up. And speaking of top shooters, next we have The Last Sayuki, Chapter 7, Son Goku. What did you think of this one, Kevin? I thought this one was great. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I definitely love the reveal of his dad being like, so his arm's on the ground, and he shoots out the power pole from his detached arm at Sai, and then just sticks his arm back on, and he's like, Ryonosuke, go take your sister out of here. Don't worry, I'm immortal. As he just sticks his arm back on, and Ryonosuke's like, okay, sure thing, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I saw somebody just stick their arm back on and literally just have it stay, be like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. All right, you're immortal. Line, I wrote it down because I just love how casual it is. Is As you can see, your father is immortal. Yes. <laughs> Which is very good. We also find out that a lot of size like motivation, he's connected to Koharu and he knew where she was the entire time. Yep. But he like enjoyed feeling Ryunosuke's compassion for her, even when he hated her. Yep. But and he was waiting for that to break. But he's like, I finally realized it wasn't going to. So here I am. Yep. He was like, oh, I was waiting for you to turn on her so that she'd kind of want to go with me. But now I need to take her by force. 
So Rienowski and Koharo book it, and we get some more exposition between them and find out they're both kind of betraying their groups, both his father and Sai. Yep. Sai didn't tell any of them where Koharo was, and apparently Rienowski's dad, like, kidnapped her, basically. From yeah, some... he's part of another organization, I'm I, assuming. I assume it's the, like, the Oba Yuzin yeah. organization. And we also get a hint at, so there's the true human form. Yeah, he's like, you're very close to the, quote, true human form, but you still can't beat me. Yeah, he's like, you might have reattached that arm, but it's useless now. You're not actually immortal. Yeah. It was just kind of like a bluff to get Rianosuke out. And so as Rianosuke is running away with Koharu, her arm comes off because it's the prosthetic arm. And she's floating in the air. And she's like, I know that father isn't actually immortal. So I'm going to go with Sai to save you guys. Yeah, but Rianoski's like, no, you should do whatever you want to do. So, like, if you say to me, yeah, that is, I want to go with my brother, then fine, you can go. But if that's not what you want, then we are going to turn this uh, car around yes. and figure out what that is. And then it ends on this awesome panel of Rianoski doing another sneak attack on Sai. And he extends the power pole, but side dodges out of the way. But then a second power pole like grows out of the side. Yeah, it and it's like, just, like it amazes. branches out. Yeah, it well, it's like branches. Yeah. So a bunch of branches come off the Niobu, and then one of them literally wraps around Sai's arm. And it looks rad as hell. Yep. And we see like this sigil on Ryunosuke's face as he gets like the badass reveal. Yeah, that is where I think Koharu kissed him on the forehead before they turned back. Okay. Or something like that, or they like they touched heads, something like that. Yeah. There was at least some kind contact, of yeah. there was contact on his forehead, and he has that sigil and size like you can handle the Niobu almost as good as Son Goku. Yeah, which was just really cool. Yeah, so I am pumped for the next chapter. Yeah, this one was really good. Uh, which leads us to the last one we're talking about today: Food Wars Chapter Three Hundred Seven, The Magician's Spell. What did you think about Food Wars this week, Kevin? I still liked it, but not a ton because it's still yet more transition, which I, I get we're, co- we're coming. We're this is like this will be yes. great in like the again, the anime or the collect. Again, I'm totally fine waiting for it. It was just kind of like a slight disappointment being like, yeah, um, there wasn't even really like a big reveal. So there like at least last week there was the joke that I could really enjoy this. There wasn't there wasn't really that. So it was build up. I liked it. It's just, it's that frustrating thing when you're waiting for something to happen. It's like, it, it hasn't happened yet. It, they're, they're making me wait more, which is going to make the actual thing sweeter. But right now, since I don't have it, I'm not liking it as much. Interestingly, we're kind of flipped on the last two chapters of Food Wars. I thought this one was quite a bit better than last week's, which again, I was just like, this is just kind of transition-y. Yeah. Even though I did like the ending, I was much more into this one. Even though it's, again, pretty much what you expect. It's all of Soma's friends supporting him and cheering and being like, He's definitely going to get this. And as the title kind of implies, we get some flashbacks to when he was in the French restaurant and his master was teaching him. Yeah. Because he decides he's going to make five dishes, one for each cuisine, and then just mash them together at the end. Yeah. And but, everyone's like, what? That won't work. That's impossible. They're basically like the time limit is too much of a constraint. Even if you could do that, you can't make five dishes in that time. Yeah. And he's just flashing back to like how quickly he had to cook in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. To and like all the techniques he learned to get stuff out on time, yeah, and do his time management really yeah. well. So I like that. And also, there's this not to interrupt you, there's this splash page, it's not a two page splash, it's a one page splash of Soma just throwing a bunch of fruit and uh, vegetables into the air and chopping them all. Yeah, that was that pretty good. I really stood out to me. 
and it bleeds up to right where you expect. Soma finishes his dish right at the wire, and they're about to present the tasting. So I kind of assume next week is just going to be Saiba's dish. Probably. And then we'll get... And then we'll get Soma's. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I liked it. It was just more build-up. Yeah. All right. So speaking of build-up, that brings us to what we've been building to this entire time, which is Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank the chapters of the week from our least favorite up to our favorite. We have 17 this week. So, Kevin, what do you have on the bottom? Yui Camillo. Really? I Again, I, Yui Camillo's very hot and cold for me. And even when it's good, it's not my favorite. I, but this was, like, silly in a way I could enjoy. I just, for, for whatever reason, I didn't enjoy the silliness of it. So, basically, we have... One of the main characters, like, admirers, who's also part of his group, the super rich group, uses her bodyguards to try and snatch Yui's chain because she thinks it's like, that's what, because he's super focused on it all day because Yui's friend is sick. Yeah. So she's like, oh, he must be interested in that. So if I, if I take that, he'll be interested in me. Like, that's her thinking. So they have Yui doing, they're doing like the fitness test thing. Yes. I I don't know how you put this on the bottom. I, I It's not super high for me, but I don't know how you put it on the bottom when it's got lines like, Yui Camillo ran 267 laps and she has big boobs. She's perfect. It's, I think a, a lot of it is the fact that it's just she's a block of wood. Like She is a block of wood. You're right. It'd be funnier if she was reacting to the situations at all. Like she's being chased by like a French spec ops guy yeah well that's where the other thing is that the three bodyguards in question are a french spec ops guy a ninja and usain bolt <laughs> yes <laughs> which is uh, just an eclectic group and also it ends with the main character who is also kind of a block of wood and i don't like him buying an iron man suit to beat well them. using <laughs> an iron man suit he bought yes to beat them in a foot race and they're like uh, is that allowed and yeah. and Yui is like, ah, oh, no one's ever beaten me before. Yeah, and, and like in uh, I tracked, well, I like it's not super high for me, but the jokes at least kind of worked. Yeah, week, just so. I think it's just because Yui's a block of wood. It they didn't land. Like I just kept thinking to the Ronma one half situation. I mean, it's no Ronma one half. I know, but like they would if Yui was reacting to the things of like even oh no, why is this man chasing me? Because, like, the guy's in camo. Like, he looks like Sam Fisher. Yeah, I don't know. Just, like, the contrast in the image really works as a visual gag to me. I guess. Again, but, I, I'm not, like, super defending. It's yeah. not top half of my list or anything. Yeah, but. I just meant for me that's what drove it down was the fact that she didn't react to anything. Like, it'd be, it would have been funnier if she react. you know, oh, no, who's this man chasing after me? Or she had any personality whatsoever. And, like, I could see where the jokes were coming, but... The fact that 
even that line of, oh, she ran 267 laps and has big boobs, she's perfect, nobody reacts to it. Look, if we are cursed to read Yui Kamiyo Volume 1 at some point, she is a bottom shooter, for sure, on the personality power level list. But yeah, a lot of the visual gags at least worked for me. Uh, my bottom is Haikyuu. I even remember what happened in this chapter of Haikyuu, just that there was some volleyball. It was my number 16. So the other team besides the one that the actual series follows won, and it was kind of like... Oh, man, those guys are really good. Like, that was basically the chapter. Yeah, I just did nothing for me. Nothing at all. No. I got Higuma at 16, because like I said, it was super disappointing. And especially that, like, weird art in that last panel just really drug it down for me. I didn't have it down that low, but I didn't like it much either. Uh, so number 15, I had Neolation. Uh, me too. I, the reason you is above these ones is we at least have the shonen thing of like, we're your friends. We're going to stick yeah, through you. Exactly. It is like I talked about with uh, Higuma. It feels kind of unearned in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. Like he literally hasn't done anything for it. Like I get if he was the dude who was kind of like, he's an asshole personality wise, but at least like did stuff for them. I mean, technically. I get it with the girl a lot more than I get it with. Well, and. Guy. He also technically saved his sister as well, so they're like, you did save people who were important to us, but it does feel a little unearned. Yeah. Also, we flat out know yeah, we that saw the girl coffin. was- Yeah, we saw a with her in it. Yeah, she's in a funeral. It's like, ah, oh, man, you couldn't have even- Maybe uh, it's a coma coffin, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think those exist. That is in super poor taste. And maybe it's like in Lucha Underground, when you get shoved in a funerary box, you're dead, but you're definitely coming back in a week or two. Also, for some reason, they always call them funerary boxes, and it's very confusing. Yes, but this isn't a Marvel comic. This is a Japanese comic, so not everybody just magically comes back to life whenever they need a character again. What do you got at 14? At 14, I have Jujutsu Kaisen. That's kind of a start to a new arc with not a whole lot going on, so... Like, there was some of the stuff I liked, but it was just kind of like, all right, we're going to get into this new arc. We're investigating these people's mysterious deaths. Okay. Oddly, I put Jujutsu Kaisen a bit higher. I have uh, Hell's Paradise here. Just because it was very confused. It was some Hell's Paradise, that's for sure. Lots of cool ideas. Uh, some characters I recognize, but I'm really not sure what's going on or yeah. how this relates to what I've read before. Yeah. It seems like it's going in a direction, but I bet next week it'll be going in a different one. Yeah, I had Hell's Paradise at 13. I liked it. Be like It's still super confusing, but I at least really liked that emotional beat of the one talking head thing sacrificing itself to save May, I think is her name. Like, There's a ton of exposition going on, but I at least understood that he literally sacrificed himself to save the girl who he had been treating like a daughter unfairly, like... It was like, I found you and you had no memory, so I treated you like my daughter rather than treating you like a daughter, and I feel really bad about that. And she's like, no, don't worry, Dad, and then takes his life force anyway because she needs to live and he's still sacrificing himself. So I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I just, like, I didn't have a connection to these characters because I was like, who are these guys? That's why it's it's still down there. I was like, I understood the beats they were going for, and I was like, oh, I, I still felt a little bit. I would have felt more if I knew who any of you were, but... I at least knew you were going for that emotional beat there. I have Yui Kamiya at number 13, which I think we've talked about enough. Yep. Uh, so at number 12, I have Dr. Stone, because it was a chapter of Dr. Stone. They're looking for platinum now. Yeah. Huzzah. I actually really like the chapter of Dr. Stone this week, so I have it a little higher. But the ending of it kind of, I don't want to say completely soured me on it, but it was kind of too convenient in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. Whereas the rest of the chapter, like the treasure as the like treasure the hunt treasure aspect, hunt thing, yeah. And it was a chapter of Doctor Stone, but it's not like they invented a thing to solve their problem, which I no. feel like is the Doctor Stone formula. This was a lot more setup stuff, and I really liked it until, like I said, the end seemed kind of well, and especially when convenient, especially when they mentioned that they were like, "Oh yeah, the location of the treasure chest is hidden in the Hundred Tales." Yeah. So I thought it was like Senko was just like, "Oh, I pieced it together and figured yeah. it out." Let's get some Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah. Instead, it's like, "Oh yeah, I've been there before." So we have one of the guys there is like, oh, no, I was actually born. I was a small child and got found by my parents or two people in the village who treated me like their family. But I was actually from that island, so I can probably lead you back. It's like, oh, that's a little anticlimactic. So at 12, I have Black Clover because there was some more of the Black Clover fight scene stuff that I don't like. That was. Yeah, I have Black Clover going on. I have Black Clover at 11. And we shifted away from Asta and, you know, which is fine. But I, I mean, I do like what little of Captain Yami I've seen, but I don't have the attachment to him that I know you do. Yeah, I, I really like Yami and the relationship uh, dichotomy between him and the leader of the Blue Roses, I think, who's currently being possessed by an elf that Yami's. So that was kind of his line of like, you better leave that body alone because he kind of like likes her. Gotcha. So, it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't horrible. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 11, because I like what's being set up here. I like that we have a hard break, and like the stuff about this being the one character's middle school that's being affected creates some instant like stakes. So, I wish there was some more giving of the characters' names, because I don't have any of them in my head, but... Yeah. I, like like I said, it was just kind of down there, because it was like, eh, it's the start of a chapter. Yeah. Or arc. So my number 10 was Hellwarden, because at least it resolved the the flashback, like yeah, we talked about. It's just kind of there. My number 10 was Dr. Stone. For, yeah. Like I said, similar reasons. It was going to go much higher. I actually really liked like the first 80% of the chapter, but that turn at the end was real, real convenient in a way that Dr. Stone's usually about conveniently solving problems, but this felt a lot more deus ex machina than that usually does. Yeah, because it's usually Senku coming up with a plan, to, like, all right, here's how we're going to build the thing to solve my problem, not have somebody else go, well, I can solve your problem for you. Uh, oh, I mean, that, that's that's cool and all, but, like, I, I had this whole thing where I was going to, like, figure out the hundred tails, yeah. and that was going to lead me to the treasure chest, and I kind of, like, stole my thunder. So for number nine, I had Chainsaw Man, and this is kind of the start of, like, the block of stuff that I, I really rather enjoyed, so yeah. it's just kind of, like in there somewhere same for me as far as number nine and up is stuff i kind of enjoyed maybe number eight and up because nine i have the promised neverland which like i talked about was just real disappointing i still really liked it but anyway chainsaw man for me number nine like we i actually don't have much even though i jumped back onto it i don't really have much more to say about it Yeah, we talked about the good stuff in it and the art is i want to say bad in chainsaw man but it's still not really dynamic and so you don't really need that in this particular fight but I think that held it back in some ways from some of this stuff that I ranked higher. I got you. Because I have it at number eight. So what do you have at number eight? Number eight, I have Demon Slayer because I did really like the, I really like going into the backstory of this Upper Moon 3 demon guy and like him finally admitting to himself, I hate Tanjiro because he reminds me of me and I'm kind of hoping like Tanjiro is currently unconscious, which kind of sucks, but I always like those moments when the hero realizes that the villain was like, I could have been that guy, except for like, I found a friend. 
is usually what it is. It was like, oh, that's me if I don't make any friends at all. That's like a horrifying thought. Like I'm literally one friend away from being a a supervillain. That's terrifying. But I really like that like emotional trauma that they feel when they notice that. Not to flip things, but I have Demon Slayer at number seven. So what do you have at number seven? I have Food Wars at number seven because it was just that, like I said, it was that transitioning chapter. I like the fact that Soma is going, all right, I can't figure out a dish that incorporates everything. So I'm going to make five separate dishes and then just mash them together and feed you that. Like I said, I have Food Wars a bit higher this week than you. So I will get on that later. Like I said, seven for me is Demon Slayer. So what do you have at number six? At number six, I have We Never Learn. Hey, me too. It was a good chapter. We never learn. I like the hint at the start of an arc at the end, and yeah. it was just fun. Yeah, exactly. One standard unit of we never learn. What about yes. number five? Uh, number five for me was the Promised Neverland. I liked it a bit better than you because I, I kind of did. I do like the lore of the world building of this is how you get to the seven walls, and we're being introduced to the heads of the demon clans. We get some more talk about the demons that M and Ray killed when they rescued Goldie Pond. There we go. They rescued the residents of Goldie Pond, where Golden Pond was essentially a hunting ground that the nobles would illegally use because it was illegal to hunt humans. Yeah. So, like, the high-ranked nobles had this secret hunting ground that they could go to, but Emma and Ray turned the tide and got all the kids out and killed all of the demons. So that's what the demons were talking about. Like, oh, your dad is missing, and your nephew and niece are missing, and we still can't contact that guy. And, like, something happened. It's been a year and a half since then. And so that's what they're talking about. Okay, yeah, that probably would have been better if I had the context for that. Yeah, it's still not, you know, it's still a letdown from some of the other stuff, but eventually you have to drop so that you can go back up again. You can't just stay, because if they, if Promise Neverland just stayed at that kind of emotional level, I feel like it would burn itself out, essentially. Uh, number five, I have Act Age. I, again, like you said, I feel like we talked about everything with Act Age, yep. but it was a pretty decent conclusion to this arc, and I'm excited to see where it goes next. Yep. So number four, I have My Hero. This is an interesting arc, and I like the, oh, we, 90% of the residents here are actually part of the Liberation Army. So they're like, well, we're in the middle of a crowded city, and then, like, it turns out everyone is on their side, and I just kind of like that, oh, yeah, we have this entire town is my secret base kind of thing. Kind of almost Stepford Wives sort of situation. Sort of, yeah. I have My Hero at number four as well, for pretty much the same reasons. Yep. So I have One Piece at number three, because I really like this chapter of One Piece. I really like that Hayagoro is going to be teaching Luffy how to fight. I liked the interactions between Luffy and Hayagoro when they were fighting, and Zoro and the Orion playing off each other was pretty good. Yeah. At number three, I have Food Wars, because the, like, I'm just going to mash it up thing really, I don't know, it just works better for me. Gotcha. I like Soma's confidence. I really like that one splash page I talked about. Yeah. There was something else, and now I've completely forgotten it. But... I liked it, like I said, a bit more than you. So we'll see. I think it's probably two or three more chapters of Food Wars still before we get what we really want. But yeah, well, at least we should start getting resolution of some things. Like it won't literally be build up to the at least I'm hoping the next chapter will be an explanation of Cyba's this, which which is at least like a resolution of something. But I would put money on the cliffhanger next week being a Soma's dish under a, you know, silver tray. Oh, totally. It might. Yeah, I, well, I, I remember could... what I was going to say. I really like the idea that they're like, well, what Soma's doing has literally never been done before, which is would fulfill the premise of what the customer wants. Yes, they were like, 
Well, I mean, yeah, that sounds impossible, but she's literally asking for a dish that has never been done before. He's attempting something that has never been done before. If it works, he has succeeded. What, like, why are you guys all mad about this? So my number two was Act Age. I actually really liked the kind of, there are different kinds of normal, that kind of resolution to Kay's arc and her changing character I really liked. That she was like, I don't have to define normal as what somebody else does. Just because you spent all this time working on baseball and now you can't just, it's not just pick something else, but you have the, because he said there are the people that can't try. And she at one point says, thank you for trying for us. Like noticing that or making him notice, yeah, you can't do baseball anymore. That sucks. But you're not stuck as the baseball guy. You can change who you define yourself to be. And I just really like that, that you can change who you are. Not willy-nilly, but if something changes, you're not screwed. Like, oh, I was the baseball guy, and now I can't do it anymore. I guess I'm just an empty shell of a person. Like, all right, just become someone else. Now, that's not easy, but you can do it. Yeah. I had one piece at number two. Basically, the same reasons you did. Zora was... Zora stuff was good. The Luffy stuff was good. Those are the... I was going to say, those are the two best characters in one piece. They are at best number three and number four, but they're very good characters. No. There hasn't been much Zora lately, so... Yeah. And so that makes our mutual number one. Uh, the, last Sayuki? Yep. Um, that, like, power pole growing branches art is Was so beautiful. good. Yeah, and, the, like, it's, like, a great turn. It's always good when the villain thinks they've escaped and then just gets smacked. That's always yep. a satisfying feeling. Yeah. I really like that. And I honestly really liked the fact that it wasn't just the fact that he could make it grow branches. Like, the one that's curling around his arm holding him in place was also really nice. Like, yeah. And there's also like some world building in here with the conversation between- about the true human form, yeah. which sounded really interesting. The fact that like like I kind of understood his dad being like, hey, don't worry about my arm being torn off. Whoop, I can just reattach it like that's really neat. He wasn't just downplaying the fact that he lost an arm. He literally didn't care or he cared, but it wasn't that big of a deal. It was like, oh, no, you knocked my shoe off. Don't worry. I can put it back on my foot. Yeah. And there's even the like good emotional beat in the middle, which we've seen a lot of from this series. So it's in a lot of ways the weakest part, but it's still there. Yeah. So it I'm, just is a really strong chapter. Yeah, I still really liked it. So. All right. So that does it for this week's Shonen Jump. Kind of, I think, a scattered shot of chapters, but the high points were indeed very high. Yeah. And like I said, I really liked the top nine chapters. It's not like I didn't like the ones below it. There were a couple that I didn't like, but for the most part, I enjoyed all of the chapters and really liked the top nine. So pretty decent overall chapter. Like you said, nothing super mind blowing except maybe the last Sayuki. Actually, probably the last Sayuki was, I liked one piece a lot too. I'm not going to yeah. lie, but, but last Sayuki was number one with a bullet. Yes. Like I said, I liked the top chapters, but the, it wasn't like, I think it was a couple weeks ago. We had like three or four chapters that were just like, man, that was amazing. Yeah. All right. So speaking of amazing, that leads us to the volume we read this week, which is iShield 21, which we'll talk about after the break. All right, so we read iShield 21 this week. 
you played football, right, Kevin? Yep. So how did you, what did you think of iShield? I actually, it yada yada over a lot of things, but I did actually like iShield 21. There was a lot of focus on, I mean, it was, you know, kids with superhuman abilities, but it's a shonen manga that makes sense. Yeah, I talked about with Slam Dunk how I didn't expect it to be that humorous, but also Slam Dunk is, I don't want to say mostly realistic, but way more realistic than iShield 21 is. Yes. Where iShield 21 feels like it's taking place in a shonen world, and we're, we're not following Deku and the superhero school, but yep. it feels like it's just everything's exaggerated and everything's very slapstick. It's even more yes. comedic than Slam Dunk was. Yeah. Have you ever and, seen Shaolin Soccer? Yeah. This felt like Shaolin Soccer with American football. That's actually a very good analogy. And also a thing that was very weird to me. I think it's the right choice for the audience. It's just weird. If growing up in America, you know what football is. You can't not. And reading this, I really kind of started to see some of the, like, I want to say propaganda they were trying to use to get both readers and characters into American football. Yeah. In a place that it's not that common. big of a deal. Yeah. It'd and be it like was, in here talking about rugby, which yeah. he mentions because he would presumably know rugby better than he would know American football. So it's like if you would get to go into like a high school and talk about rugby, very few people would know what you're even talking about. It was just weird to think about the lack of marketing that yeah. is for American football in America because it is itself a marketing venture. Yes. And then also it was weird, absolutely necessary, but weird that there's like a chapter and a half devoted to explaining the rules of American football, which is just something so ingrained in me. And I am a the haha sports ball. I don't watch that yeah. type of guy. Yeah, but that's how big American football is over here. It's essentially the one of the nation's biggest sports. Yeah. It's just a weird disconnect having to see this needs to be all explained and in this basic way. Yes. Where it's like, oh, yeah, you want to run the ball because that's six points. Or you can kick it, but it's only three. And they don't even talk about extra points. And I don't know if that's uh, in Jap Japanese high school football. There aren't extra points. No, they definitely go for it. Because there's at the one point when they were like, we won six to three. There's a shot of him just failing the kick. Gotcha. Is what it looked like. Because there's a play after they scored the touchdown. So it's like clearly they go for the extra points. But it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like there's a lot of stuff that they don't talk about. They don't uh, talk that, about four downs, for example. They don't talk about four downs. They yada the yada their way through the blockers, like. Although there's a lot of visual in that. Yes, there is, but it was just kind of that's what I meant by the yada yadaing of like, all right, so you get a bunch of natural athletes. Did you explain? Like, it seemed like you explained the rules to them after you had gotten them all suited up and were on the field. Like, okay, we just need to score touchdowns, guys. That's what we want to do. And they're like, all right, cool. So speaking of, in contrast to Slam Dunk and Prince of Tennis, where the main characters are going to schools that specialize in the sport, Sena gets into high school, and he gets into the high school where his childhood friend, Mamori, who is a girl who's a year older than him, already goes to. Yep. And there's clearly a, you know, that relationship between them. That yes. will they, won't they anime relationship. We're both, they're both so clearly into each other, but have not expressed that in any way. Yeah, well, Senna, it seems like she's more into him than Senna might be. Like, he has that kind of big sister vibe off of her, I think. So, he, like, he likes her, but he doesn't realize that he likes her. Likes her. Yeah, so he's looking at his entrance exams, basically, and about to celebrate that he's gotten in, where Hiroma, who is one of the other main characters, shows up. And, like, the first thing that happens in this is he does this weird identity theft scam to the main character, Sena. Where he's like, hey, use my phone. Call your mom. Tell her, like, you're, I'm a nice upperclassman. 
Tell her you got in. Yep. Immediately grabs the phone back, calls like every delivery service until he finds one that knows the address, like recognizes it from the phone number. Yep. And then he just mails football propaganda to him. Yes. By like the UPS crate load. Yes. Also, Haroma is totally an elf. Oh, yes. Or a well, demon. A demon is what they say, but he's got the long ears. He's got. I guess that's a Japanese yeah, demon. He doesn't look like a Christian demon, but he definitely he looks more demon y than like you think of when you say the word elf. He does not yes. look like Legolas. No, but he's got the ridiculously. I Yeah, he does have the ridiculous he, he long look, ears. He looks like a bat, not like literally a bat, but like he's a human being designed. It's like Akira Toriyama's like, oh man, bats are super cool. Now I'm going to draw a character. Yes. Also, Santa is super, super fast because he never had friends growing up, but he was always kind of picked on and made the gopher. Like, hey, go get me a soda. And so to avoid bullies and not get... And it wasn't just, hey, go get me a soda. Like, there was one of the author's notes things that the English translation didn't work well because it's the kind of like, not criminal gopher, but they were like, he's the dude that uh, everyone knew they could pick on him to get him to do stuff. Yeah. And I had some of that in high school, too. So I kind of immediately had sympathy for him. I I don't want to say I unfortunately didn't, because that comes off wrong. Yeah, I know wrong, what you mean. But Fortunately, you didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I was six I, feet tall, or I was 6'3 in high school, so nobody bothered me, because I was the giant, like, I was the giant dude who played football, who was just like, I wasn't oblivious like that, but I, I never had to deal with anything, because I was the third tallest person in my high school. And like we said, this is like an anime world. So basically, he's the Flash because he wanted to learn to run from bullies and placate them quickly. Yeah. Well, it's not just. Yeah. It's not like he wanted to. It's like I kind of had to kind of thing. So that's why he's developed this speed as he's had to deal with all of these problems. Yeah. And one of the things the volume of manga does is as the chapter breaks, they have a lot of characters and then they have like a stat breakdown of speed, power and technique. And he's one-star power, one-star technique, five-star speed. Yes. And all the main characters are kind of satted out like that. Yeah. And they, I also like they have a shot of, like, their rooms. It was some just the, like a, it was like a player's trading card kind of thing. And they're like, so here's this character, and, like, here's a shot of his room to, like, kind of give you an insight into their character a little bit more. And I just, I like that as the chapter breaks. Yeah, and the art in this is really interesting i say that like it's bad but it shifts styles a lot in some cool ways yes sometimes like i think i said during the recording maybe it was before it just looks like you would draw like a comic of american football yeah like, with the guy's big muscly giant shoulders yeah like, more like more NFL hyper Pro star the marvel comic yeah more like hyper realistic than manga tend to get and then other times they go into that chibi style and for shenanigans it's like really looney tunes cartoony yeah it's just got a real shifty art style but also i think it works yeah so do i and mamori is drawn a lot of times like an 80s shoujo protagonist yeah and like it makes her stick out in some weird ways it's actually i'm this is really high praise but it reminds me a lot of into the spider-verse actually and that a lot of characters seem to have their own style that they kind of infect the comic with when they're on screen yeah i guess that that does make a lot of sense yeah and like like i said it it really works just just like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, maybe on paper, hearing like the idea behind the concept sounding a little weird, it really works when you actually sit down and read it or watch it. So the other like main character we haven't talked about is Ryokin, who also, I was talking about Looney Tunes, he looks like a Japanese gag manga character. Like, yes. His face is very simple, he doesn't have a lot of expression, and he's just this giant dude. 
he's got five stars in power, and he's basically the all-purpose blocker slash defenseman yes. who will run you over. But he's, you know, he has exactly the personality you'd expect of. He's kind of a dope. Yeah, not. He doesn't come off as horribly stupid. Just yeah. like he's uh, not like, but he's like overly innocent and not very bright. Yeah, and he also doesn't have a whole lot of like emotional strength. Is the way I want to yeah describe it. Because like at one point they have to recruit a bunch of people for the football team, and he just he gets really dejected whenever anyone tells him no. As opposed to like Senna, who's just kind of like, oh no, they said no too. He's like got his head down low and a almost cloud pouring rain over him as he's walking away. It's like, man, that guy takes every loss way too hard. Yeah. So Hiroma and Ryokin are like the only members of the football team, and they have to scout people from other athletic clubs basically to fill in a full roster for their team. Yep. And they kind of trick Senna into joining. Memory is like, hey, you should join a club to make friends. And he kind of trips into it, and he's like, also, there's the manager who, like, tapes the practices and comes out with strategies. And Sina's like, oh, yeah, I could be the manager. Yep. But then they see him run, and Hiroma is like, oh, no, you are going to be our running back. Well, no, Hiroma had seen him run before even... Well, that he'd already scouted him. That's right. Like, yes. he saw him running away from some bullies. So the both of them were like, hey, I found this person to join the team. And is it Ryo Ken? Ryokin is like, oh, I found this person who wants to be the manager. And Hiroma's like, I found this guy who's going to be our all-star running back. He doesn't say it like that, but he's like, I also found this guy. And it's Senu tied up in the like equipment shed. And they're like, what? We were after the same guy. Yeah. And so basically, Hiroma has just tried to pressure slash trick him into being the running back because of his speed. He can, I don't remember what the test is, but they do some sort of sprint. 40-yard dash. 40-yard dash, okay. And he can do it in five seconds if he's being chased by a dog? No, he can. He does it in five seconds, oh, and when he gets chased by a dog, he does it in 4.2, which is ridiculously fast. So a 4.440, so a 40-yard dash in 4.4 seconds is ridiculously fast. A 4.2, like somebody even mentions, that's faster than most professional athletes. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, when he was doing the five-second 40-yard dash, he wasn't really trying. He wasn't trying as hard as he could. Well, what Hiroma says is, like, you're, you you have a really fast start, like, because you want to get away from bullies, but then you kind of, like, even out. Yeah. So I, I'm going to find some motivation to keep you going and see how fast you can yeah. run like that. And I also like, so they use, when the 40-yard dash is actually a really good thing that they use in football, because... Because uh, you don't usually sprint or do long runs. In- like, a 40-yard dash is... Generally, like, one of the longer, the yeah, and it's generally one of the longer runs you'll ever do. And for the most part, 40 yards is kind of like the important thing. So, even if you're doing like a 70 yard kick return, the first 40 yards is going to be where you get out of the way of everybody. And the last 30, as long as you maintain your like not sprint speed, but like maintain a fast speed, no one else will catch up to you. So, they actually, as they're introducing some of the other football like teams players they give their stats in this guy runs a four six this guy runs a five one like they give them their 40 yard stats and i like that they give stats of these characters to try and show you all right so these guys are actually like really powerful this guy runs a four six forty that's uh that's really fast for a high school student yeah also to kind of re-emphasize the sort of comedy that's in this whenever they start the 40 yard dash they do it with a starting bazooka yes and there's always cutting to like characters in the school like what was that yes now yes Hiroma has the looney tunes ability to summon explosives 
among other things, but he's the multi-purpose. So his big thing is he has a five-star technique. Yeah, he is the quarterback, and we see some throws, and I really like how they're drawn. Yes. But it looks like he are throw- he's throwing sidearm, which I do think is intentional. And it's just to show that he's weird about it because yes. clearly he hasn't learned like he can he learned how to throw, but he also has the ability to hack, do forgery, summon explosives. He's got like a, a notebook just labeled the threats, which is <laughs> apparently has blackmail on everybody in the school. Yes. Like I he has Looney Tunes powers. Like he can just do stuff. He reminds me a lot, and I think this is more the reverse, of that character in One Piece, whose name I can't remember now. That's the big fan of Luffy. With the barrier. Oh, yeah. What's the guy's name? Ah, I love that character. I wish I knew his name. So do I. Oh, it's like if I, if you cross your fingers, it makes barriers stronger. I love that guy. I can't remember his name either, unfortunately. But I, I know who you're talking about. And in contrast to the other two sports manga we've read, this first volume does basically have the first game, yep. which I like as an arc. Basically, there's a chapter where they have to recruit people and... Santa only manages to recruit one guy who's this track and field guy. And he's basically like, yeah, I'd like to scout. I'm looking for someone who can run really fast. Yeah, he's the. I think he's the captain of the track and field team. He's yeah. like, well, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll join you for a game. I can scout out some track and field guys while I'm there. And then he's like, all right, can you do it tomorrow? Oh, no, I've got to do all these deliveries. And so Santa's like, well, here, if I help you with the deliveries, will you be able to do it? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so there's a little hijinks with... He's on his bike and does all his deliveries and comes back and Seno has finished them all on foot because he's ridiculously fast. Yeah. And uh, Hiroma just threatens everybody else they need onto the team. Yeah. Slash bribes them with the promise of cheerleaders. Yeah. It, like he lied, coerced, threatened everybody else onto the team. So some people he threatened, some people he was able to bribe, but he, he got everyone else that they needed. Yeah. And they don't need Santa. He doesn't want to play, and also Hiroma, even though he wants him to play, it wants to keep him in reserve as like a secret weapon. Yep. And we also find out, presumably because football isn't that big of a sport in Japan, that it's basically just a tournament. There's not a regular season. Yeah. So if they lose a game, they are out. Yep. And they are facing off against, in their first game, Kogihama Cupids. So named because they always bring their girlfriends. To yes, their- because everyone on the team has a girlfriend and all of their girlfriends come to the game to cheerlead. Yeah. And Hiroma m- convinces them all to be cheerleaders for his team by promising they'll get to meet uh, Harate Sakuraba, who's like this really talented f- uh, high school football star. Who's also, you know, like model good looking. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I got this picture of him because we met once when we played a football game and I just kind of tricked him into taking this picture with me. So I use it. Yep. As leverage. But then Sakuraba actually shows up to watch the game, like to scout out. Yep. And like he shows up with another character whose name I didn't write down, who's on the same team. Shen or yeah, Shin? It, Something like that. And he's like, do we really need to watch these lame guys? He's like, no, like underestimating your opponents is a weakness of yours. Yeah. You and so Shin or Shen or whatever his name is, is like the star of the team that is clearly going to be the, at least for the first season, they're like major rivals. Like, he's the guy who runs the 4640, which is ridiculously fast. He's at one point a cheer to show how good he is. A cheerleader falls off the bleacher, or somebody falls off the bleachers, and he like sprints forward and catches her. And, you know, it's just kind of like, this is going to be the main opponent of the arc kind of thing. Yeah. And the way that I said Miyamori looks like an 80s like shoujo protagonists, he looks like an 80s shonen, like older character, like the older brother. Yeah, like the Char Aznable kind of. Yeah, he doesn't look like Char, but 
I know what you mean. That that style. Yeah. So basically, their first game, Shin and Sakuraba are watching, and they're like, "Oh man, Hiruma and Kurita are are, are and, and actually Kyoken really are good. Actually really good. Yeah. Like, he's an amazing lineman on both offense and defense, and he's a very good quarterback. But like, did you see how good that pass was? And his team the, still couldn't catch it because they just because they all no suck. Talent. Yep. The big thing is that they're all amateurs. Like some of them have some athletic talent. Like but the track and field guy is. Pro- I think he's probably a main character going forward as well because clearly he has some aptitude. But he also gets a stat card. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, that throw was amazing, but like nobody could catch it. So, like, if they had one more guy, like I don't know, maybe an all-star running back, this team would actually be a threat. Yep. But as is, like they're probably going to lose their first game. So the game is even until like the last minute of the fourth quarter, where the Cupids manage to get a field goal. Yep. And this is actually set up pretty well. It's kind of comes off as Deus Ex Machina in our explanation, but Santa has never played football before and he gave out turf cleats to everybody instead of grass cleats. Yes. And they're playing on a grass field. And so the track and field guy ends up injuring his leg. Yep. So Hiruma like goes takes Santa behind a shed and pretends to like beat him up for giving him the wrong cleats. Yep. But he's actually dressed him up in a football uniform with a tinted helmet so no one will be able to tell who he is because all the other sports teams are here to scout people and he's like we have to keep your identity secret or every club will try to recruit you well as well as senna like he doesn't want the team members to know so like senna is also kind of in on hiding his identity a little bit and so they decide he will be the mysterious eye shield 21 because he's got a like tinted face mask and He's number 21. Number 21. And the one time the ref shows up the entire game is to be like, hey, you can't have a tinted eye shield. And everyone's like, it's fine. It's medical. Here is a definitely real. And it says, it says forged in the background. <laughs> it's just like, here's his doctor's note saying that he can have it. Yeah. So they only have time basically for a kick return. There's nine seconds left in the game. Yep. So the plan is basically, like, Arum is like, I'm going to catch it because you can't. I will lateral it to you. And then you just got to run, man. Yeah. And he's like, literally, just don't fall down. And as long as you go into the other end zone, we win. And also there's this bit uh, we kind of forgot where he's like, also, I got to get rid of Sakuraba. So he just like sticks all the girls on him. I think he does that. Yeah, he does that. And he then like, he's like, it so before Santa gets in so that he won't see. Yeah. Santa. Well, I think it was even before they were going to try and send Senna in, like as they were coming down to the wire, because I think. It wasn't just before the last play that it was uh, 03. According to my notes, first I have a, here, this is definitely a real medical thing. And then I have cheerleader missile. Okay, so maybe that did it. I just, I, I just, it's drawn like the cheerleaders are a literal missile. I, well, he says that. He's like, I'm going to send a missile after him. And the cheerleaders go tearing after him. And he's like, well, unfortunately, Shen's still going to be there. And I didn't want to reveal my trump card. But if we lose, we're out. So I have to do it anyway. But then like, Sen breaks the camera. Because apparently he's only good at athletes. Or he's just ridiculously strong. So he breaks the camera, and so he's chasing after Sakurabi. He's like, oh no, the camera broke. Help me fix it. Yeah. So the plan goes almost exactly to plan. Haruma laterals it, and he's super fast. As he's about to get to the end zone, there are four guys. And he's like, oh god, I'm going to get clobbered. Well, first he goes off the wrong way. Oh, I forgot about that, but yeah. Which was first great. First he runs the wrong way. And and almost biffs it because he's wearing sneakers. Yeah, he didn't even put cleats on, so he almost falls over. But he manages to regain his footing and turn around. And again, there are four guys in the end zone to block him. But then there's this really cool, very shonen panel of Hiruba and... Ryokin? Ryokin blocking for him. And yep. Ryokin's this giant guy, so he like pushes over two people. Yep. And Haruma does it as well, and he gets in for the touchdown. Well, 
So when we see Senu's running, he can kind of see this imaginary arrow path of like where he needs to go to get through people. And he's done this before in the chapter. He's and, done it when he was getting away from bullies. He's yes. Like, I can just cross through these people here. And- yeah. It's, so it's and it's drawn as this like arrow path of like, just go here, 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 here. That's how I get through. And so he does that for the first couple of blockers. He's also counting because there's 11 people. So he's counting 11 people. And the title of the chapter is 11 Scarecrows. Yeah. But when he gets to the last one, he's like, ah, it's too small. I can't fit. He's like, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. And that's when they come block for him. And he suddenly sees the possibility open. And he's like, now I don't even have to dodge. I literally have a straight shot. And there's also Memori has shown up at the very end, too. She wanted to support him, but was busy. Yeah. And she shows up at the end of the scene. She's like, oh, man, that little guy is only Santa's size. And he's like, look awesome. how good he is. Like, maybe Santa really can do this football thing. Yep. So they managed to win the game. Thanks to iShield 21. And they're celebrating, and Mamori comes down and is like, hey, where did Santa go? And they're like, oh, uh, Hamura murdered him in the behind that shed. Yes. And so he has to run back there and pretend to be beat up. Yep. But the volume cliffhanger I actually really liked is just Mamori going like full big sister and getting super pissed. And be like, Haruma, we are going to fight now. Yes. Which is a cool cliffhanger, and I like how like big sisterly and protective she is of this little guy. Yeah. So I liked it a lot. The tone was very weird, but not in a way that's bad. And no. the art was very enjoyable. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the humor aspect of it. And the even though it was a lot of different styles, not clashing, but a lot of different styles in the manga, it always flowed really well that it didn't feel weird. It was just kind of like, this guy is drawn this way, and this guy is drawn this way, and they just kind of work. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as something like a slam dunk, for example, but I definitely liked it more than Princess Tennis. And by the end, I really wanted to read the next volume. Yep. So is there anything else you want to say about Ice Shield 21? Not really. All right, then. I guess that brings us to personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the list where we rank manga characters from the ones we think are the best down to the worst. At the top, we have Azuki Midoriya from My Hero Academia. At the bottom, we have that guy who isn't Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And in the middle, we have Sakuragi Hanamachi from Slam Dunk, which I think is the best place to start with Santa anyway. Yep. I don't think he's as good as Hanamachi as a character. I don't either. I I do like him, but I like Hanamachi more. Because we just read it. How do we think he compares to Ryoma from Prince of Tennis? I like him more than Ryoma because he has more personality than The Flash. Like just he's not just the fast guy you know he's a little clumsy and he can make mistakes but he tries hard and it's like i'm trying to impress what's her bucket Um, i can't remember names memory memory and so he's like i'll become the team manager and that'll impress her because he's like i can't do sports when clearly he can yeah he would be like an all-star at track and field. He should have met track and field guy first. Yeah, as bad as, you know, as cool as this is him being part of the and I guess we see he's very good at avoiding people, though, which is a running back skill. And like we said, when Hiroma sees him for the first time, he's doing like spin moves and stiff arms. Yeah, I guess we did forget to mention that. He actually talks about how he's like, oh, he did a juke and then he did a spin move and then he did a dive because uh, he like dives through. The subway, not the like, subway. Like the closing train doors. Yeah, the closing the train doors to get away from the bullies. And more like just goes touchdown at the time. He's like, yeah, while, that's the guy. While teabagging a dude. But yeah, so he does have more than just speed. He has a lot of those dodging capabilities, which is to show his 
football skills, but it's like I in reality, track and field would be this guy's much better sport. Like if he's he would be a fantastic sprinter. Yeah. Probably not a long distance guy, but definitely a fantastic sprinter. Although it's just because this is the football manga, they show off his look at how good he is at football. So between Hanamachi and Ryoma, we have Keiji Kiria from All You Need Is Kill. I should say dead in the center. There are plenty okay. of way either way. I think he's a little better than Keiji. Yeah. Right above KRG, we have Eren from Attack on Titan. You're more the Attack on Titan guy than I am. How do you think that comparison goes? I think I like him a bit more than Eren. A lot of it is I tend to get annoyed at Eren. So, like, his character being annoying kind of drops him just a little bit. Eren specifically, not, not Senos. Yeah. So right above Aaron, we have Ichigo from Bleach. And I don't know if I like him more than Bleach. Bleachigo? I don't Bleachigo. know if I'm more, I'm more... There are lots of Ichigos in manga, so I don't know if I like him more than Bleachigo. Even though I talk about Ichigo being kind of boring, especially for a shonen protagonist, I have more attachment to him. What do you think? Yeah, I think for now that's a good place to stick him. If we come back to this, which we might because we both did kind of like this, I could see him going higher as we develop, flesh out his character more. Like, that's probably why we have more attachment to Ichigo is like, I read all of bleach. So yeah. I saw his whole character arc as opposed to, I saw volume one where he just now learned that he can do the football, but he still doesn't want to do the football. No, he's totally pulling a, uh, Shinji. Just but do that. I don't want to play football. <laughs> I mean, that one makes a little bit more sense <laughs> than does. get in the giant mech and save the goddamn world. No, I don't want to. Are you kidding me? All right. Anything else you want to say about Ice Shield 21? It is one that I would consider going back to, but man, there's a lot of manga to read. Yeah. Like, there's so much. We were just talking about our plans for the future that we haven't started yet, and also so many I want to go back to. Manga's good, guys. Yeah. I'm really liking this. So I, this is something that I might go back to at some point in the future if we don't do it at some point as well. Maybe next March we'll do go back to Sports Month. Actually do it in March as opposed to April. All right. Before then, though, what are we reading next week, Kevin, as the final bit of sports month? For the final bit of sports month, we are reading Yawumashi Pedal, I think is how you pronounce it. It is a manga that I just happened to own through Loot Anime about a cyclist. Are we going to read the whole thing? Because it's by far the biggest one we've read, and it's about the size of the entirety of All You Need Is Kill, which we split into two. Do you want to read the whole thing, or do you just want to read half of it? Now I'm wondering if my I edition through, is shorter. Okay, I've I got one that's just called Volume One, and since this is a preview of Volume Two, but it's sixteen chapters. I don't think mine's that big, so okay, we'll figure out how much we're reading then before yes, next week because it's sitting at home. I will figure out what my edition contains, and we will just read that. Okay. Until then, you can visit www.lastpodcast.com. That is our website where you can find the personality power level list, our old episodes, as well as our Discord server. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. And if you want to make any recommendations for what we should read in the future, we were just talking about we have a lot of plans, but we would love to hear recommendations. And that is a great place to give them to us. You can also find my other two podcasts there. Last time on video games, where we talk about old video games. We just did an episode on Sega Bass Fishing, which is kind of a sport. As well as It's a Gundam, my episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast, where we just got to the part where Gundam Seed gets very, very good, and I'm very excited to release that every week for a while. So check that one out. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to us, or just tell a friend, hey, 
This is a cool manga podcast. I know you like manga, or maybe if you want to try to get someone into manga, I would love to hear that we were able to do that. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. And other music is provided by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to plug today? Winter has come. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, though. I haven't had time. I mean, it came out yesterday, so that makes sense. I just happened to be able to catch it as it aired. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to watch it, because probably not tonight, although maybe if we don't end up playing an RPG, because I don't know what my plans are for tonight now. All right, well. But yeah, we will catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Gotta stop.